You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Round two, Tapped Out, BetQL Network. Brendan Tobin, Sean Levine. We're waiting for Manpreet Joss to join us here coming up in a couple of minutes. He of the Lock of the Night podcast. But before that, I'm trying to watch UFC fights. What are you freaking out about? What's going on? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so... Uh, Josh Taylor, he's the undisputed 140-pound champion yeah. in boxing. He's he's defending his belt against Jack Catterall. It's supposed to be a little showcase. Oh, he's in Scotland. It's supposed to be. But Catterall, Catterall was giving him the business in this fight, dude. Knocks him down in the eighth round. Looks like he's going to go and, and take these belts. In the ninth round, referee, he takes a point away from Catterall for pushing down on his head. Not low blows. Not not something not something agree- pushing down his head takes a point away. So they just go to the scorecards just now. Catterall was fight. Josh Taylor ends up getting the fight. <laughs> ends up getting the damn fight. Should have been a draw though. He got one scorecard was one thirteen one twelve because that damn referee took away a point. Should have been a draw. It's almost like you bet on a draw. I don't care about your bets for the next 10 minutes because I want to talk to our boy Manpreet Joss. He of the Lock of the Night podcast. Sweet gear, man. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad that you guys uh, gave me the call up here. Very happy to uh, jump on with you guys here and talk some UFC fights. And yeah, let's go Raptors, right? We the North. They might be shit this year, but it's all good. I'm always well, a Raptors fan, no matter what. <laughs> you, guys were, you guys were a little rough on my guy, Goran Dragic. I mean, you know he didn't want to be there. I mean, yeah. I know, but at least play for us a little bit, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm a big Fred Van Vliet guy, even though I went to school at KU, Wichita State, right down the street. But screw hoops for a second. Let's get into the That's octagon. Right. Anybody you love on tonight's card, man, Pre. Uh, honestly, I, I've already I had a little bit of a parlay between Jonathan Martinez and Ignacio Bahamundes. Uh, Martinez just hit about an hour ago. Uh, Bahamundes is up in about an hour or so himself. Um, it, it, there's not a lot to love on this card. It's a very sketchy card from a betting perspective. Uh, the other play that I'm looking at is Armen Petrosian. Uh, he's a plus 135 dog right now on the main card. I think he goes out there, deals with the wrestling of Gregory Rodriguez, eventually finds that knockout in the second round. Got a little bit of a sprinkle of that round two plus 650 as well. Uh, and then in the main event, I'm taking the over two and a half at plus 110. I think a lot of people expect Islam to go in there and just mop this, mop the floor with Bobby Green. Sure, but Bobby Green is a vet, man. The guy is very good with his defensive skills. I think it's going to make it a little bit harder for uh, Makachev to get the finish early here. I'm thinking we see late stoppage here for Islam, probably around four, around five, which is why I'm sitting pretty with that over two and a half at plus 110. 
Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit uh, earlier in the show. We don't see many main events in the UFC like this. Almost, it reminds you of boxing where guys minus one thousand, minus nine hundred. So when you have something this lopsided, how do you want to go into it? Like, are you looking for where's the best method? What where's the place I want to bet? Because I do believe in Islam. You do respect what Bobby can bring, but it's a tough challenge because he's taking it on short notice. What do you look for the most when this matchup kind of came to be? Yeah, when you have such heavy chalk on one guy, there's no way I can tip out minus 1,000 on Islam Mahachev, right? People are going to be like, look at this fucking flake, right? I apologize for the profanity there. But uh, in regards to the actual uh, bet itself, I look at the total, right? I look at whether there's a playable total in here. It originally dropped at one and a half. A lot of people hammered that one and a half, pushing it to a two and a half right now. And I feel kind of good about that uh, plus money. But yeah, you hit it on the head in terms of a method of victory as well. Right. I think that's the best way to play this. Uh, if you can get Islam by sub, I think that's a decent spot. Uh, if you have access to one of those bookies that allow, allows you to do the double chance thing, I think submission and decision is probably the best way to go about it for Islam. I'd be surprised if he gets a ground and pound victory here over Bobby. Bobby's very squirmy on the ground, very difficult to kind of hold down. And anytime Islam will kind of posture up to let those shots go, I think that's where Bobby's going to be looking to kind of scoot his hips and get uh, break the balance of Islam Mahachal and get back to the feet but uh yeah over two and a half for me and in terms of a victory i like the um uh, i like uh submission for islam late in this fight we had islam on the show right before you came on and we were talking about the comparisons that he gets to khabib and obviously he was kind of shying away from those part of which is because he was literally sitting in a booth eating lunch with khabib at the time so it was probably a little bit awkward do you think the comparisons are fair or maybe a little early I think they're fair, man. The guy's good. He's really good. Like he just hasn't had the opportunity to actually go out there and fight guys. That's that's the thing. He's t forcing to take any and everybody that's willing to step up and fight him. Like his last fight against Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker took that fight on like a month's notice, barely a month's notice. And I'm sure he got paid a hefty bag as well to actually take that fight. Um, but there's not a lot of guys that want to fight him. Darius was the first guy that a lot of people expected. Okay, this is a legitimate top five guy for. Islam Mahachev to go out there and fight but then he gets injured a week out and luckily they have a guy like Bobby Green to to plug in there I'm sure again they probably tossed him a solid bag as well to take this fight on short notice but uh, he, the reason he's not getting the respect is because he can't have these fights flourish right they, they don't they, they he, he gets matched up against these top guys they either get uh, 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 injured or the fight gets postponed but uh, once he starts asserting himself, once he starts fighting, you know, the Benio Dariushes, that's when I think he'll truly get the respect of, of the fans and people think that he's the, actually the next coming of Khabib. I think he's the next coming of Khabib, honestly. But uh, he just needs to go out there and show, show it against legitimate competition. That being said, like, the idea, it's not his fault that Dariush got hurt. And this was kind of supposed to be a de facto number one contender fight tonight. Like, the fans really were dying to see what was going to be you know, the, the ramifications of those two guys going at it. If, is he dominant enough? Does he have to be super dominant tonight to, to, to warrant a title shot to you? Do, can he just get the win? What does he have to do to get right to that spot of, of taking on the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje? A dominant victory helps. That that definitely helps, right? If he goes out there and just mops the floor with Bobby, uh, I think that would definitely put him in line for the title shot. Personally, myself as a fan, I would love to see him kind of secure that title shot against a guy like Benio Darius. But Darius is going to be out for a while now. I'm not sure if any other top guy really wants to take the shot on Islam Mahachev or try to fight Mahachev. I don't think there will be too much of an uproar if he does get a title shot after this, though. I really do think that we'll see uh, them plug him in probably later this year. If I'm not mistaken, 
Charles and Gage are going down in uh, in May is when their fight is. So I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe September, October, November to see Makachev get in there and get his title shot. There's really nobody else. So I, I don't see why not. He's the host of the Lock of the Night podcast. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, we are, we're talking uh, at M-M-A-L-O-T-N for Lock of the Night. We're breaking it down with Manpreet Joss here on the BetQL Network. You're talking about the dominance that has been Islam Makachev. So if you're talking dominant, you got to talk Israel Adesanya. Is there anybody at middleweight, I guess, now or on the come up that you could see taking that belt off? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Honestly, um... I thought that Robert Whitaker fight was pretty close. I know a lot of people kind of want to dismiss that and just say, oh, you know, Adesanya clearly won that fight. I'd be interested in a third Whitaker fight, but Whitaker needs to get another couple dubs before he actually uh, can uh, get another title shot there. Honestly, Adesanya, in my opinion, benefits from the fact that there aren't a lot of wrestle-heavy guys in that division, right? Welterweight has Kamar Usman, Colby Covington, a plethora of guys that are really good at wrestling, but middleweight, not so much. Like, his biggest threat in terms of grappling was Marvin Vittori, who got him down in every single round, but just struggled in terms of keeping him there. In terms of the top guys, there's nobody that I really see taking that belt from Israel Adesanya. The only name that comes to mind for me is the guy, is our guy, Hamzat Shemaev, who currently fights at 170 pounds, but he's talked about fighting at 185, trying to be that double champ, but he's really got to get on the horse here, stay active so that he could eventually catch Adesanya before Adesanya either retires or hangs it up or even he ends up losing to somebody else. But yet, Chamaya's really the only guy, and that's if he decides to go back up to 185 pounds. So you mentioned Colby there a little bit. Um, next week, obviously, we got a big one. It's going to be a big one down here in Miami. Obviously, it's 305 day. Masvidal versus Colby Covington. It, the the promos have already been fired for this one. Yeah. It's going to be a great, great, uh, I think, fight week uh, to get everybody hyped up for this one. But Colby's, you know, a favorite for a reason, and 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 these guys do know each other very well. Where do you see this one? Where are you leaning early on between the main event next week at UFC 272? I love Colby in this spot, but it's hard to tip. Again, another minus 350 fighter to a lot of guys. I don't want to be that schmuck, right? So uh, I think the best way of playing it, though, 
is uh, taking Colby Covington by decision. Minus 105 is not too bad. He's not a finisher. He's a guy that goes out there and drowns you with output, drowns you with volume, drowns you with activity. And Jorge Masvidal, outside of that first time ever getting knocked out in his career by Kamar Usman last time around, I don't think that there's much of a KO threat from the Colby Covington side here. So uh, I think we'll see a, a very active fight from Colby Covington. Uh, again, takedowns, feints, uh, cage control. It may not be the prettiest, Again, I know there's a lot of hype going into this fight because of the grudge match and and the 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 talk, uh, you know, the, the back and forth there. But I think that Colby Compton, the reason he's been so successful is because he has the best traits in terms of a fighter. He's neck and neck with Kamaru Usman, who I believe is like the number one fighter in the world. Great wrestling, great cardio, improving striking. That's exactly what Colby Covington is doing as well. And he's right there with Kamaru Usman. So outside of some flash KO from Masvidal, which I don't think is as likely here, given how much Colby Covington moves around, uh, I like Colby and I'll likely be uh, dropping a hammer on a Covington by decision at minus 105. I think that's a great line. If I get interrupt, is there anything next week that could sway you? Like it gets so personal in the, in the lead up. There's pushing and shoving that you would think Colby's going to fight out of his element. Like he's going to not try and fight his style and take him out of his game. Like can Jorge do anything that would sway you next week? Not at all, man. Colby has been in these fights for the last several years now, right? He tries to rile up his opponents. He tries to get some sort of heat out of them. But he's a professional, man. As soon as that cage door locks, the guy goes in there, he has his game plan, and he sticks to it. He doesn't overextend. He doesn't fight with this fire in his belly. He just fights with the game plan that's required. Uh, if anything, it might be Masvidal that be, that might fight a little bit out of turn. But even him, man, that guy's a veteran at this point in time. I'd be surprised if either of them let uh, the, the trash talk uh, kind of sway them in their fight. I, I think we just see a quintessential Colby Covington performance 50-45, maybe even a 50-44 based on volume output, all that. I like Kobe all the way here. That's what the odds basically tell us, man. Preet Covington, minus 350 to come back on Masvidal, hanging around, plus 265. You talked about Covington coming close a couple of times against Usman. Do you think he could beat him? If we saw it a third time or a fifth time or a seventh time or a tenth time, is he just the next best thing? Or can Kobe Covington beat Kamaru Usman? I think Covington can beat him. There, There is a legitimate argument that he won that last fight. There is one judge that has given him a round, uh, the third round. Two judges gave him rounds four and five. Like if one of those judges that gave him rounds four and five gave him round three, he wins that fight. Like that, it comes down to something like that, right? It's very, very close. They're very much neck and neck. The main thing we remember for the, those fights, though, is Kamaru Usman obviously finishing him in that first fight in the fifth round. And then I believe he dropped him in the second round of the second fight. But if we're scoring this on a round-by-round -round basis, that, that second fight was very, very close. The only thing I feel like that uh, we have to think about is Kamaru Usman kind of getting up there in age. He's been known to be a guy that has very bad knees as well. Uh, the guy doesn't even do any road work for his cardio. Like he has to find other ways of doing it so that he can get his weight off. Uh, that might be the reason we see Kamaru Usman fall from the throne is if he goes out there and, and he just starts slowing down because his body can't keep up with that high level of activity that he does on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, yeah, Kobe could beat him, man. If they fought 10 times, this might be like a Kamaru wins seven or or six times type of thing. Very, very close by two of the best guys, bar none, pound for pound in the game right now just because of the traits they bring to the cage. But, yeah, I, I do think Kobe could beat Kamaru, man. 
Is there anything next week that uh, that stands out to you Tuesday or two that nobody's kind of on right now that you really like as far as they're sleeping on somebody, something that has great value that uh, that you like that you're you're already on that that people aren't seeing? I haven't made any bets myself yet. I have done the tape on at least half the card now. Uh, two spots that kind of jump out to me right off the bat is uh, Edson Barboza plus 130 underdog to Bryce Mitchell. Uh, I'm a big Bryce Mitchell fan, big Thug Nasty fan. He's very, very, very good, especially when he's able to assert that top pressure. But I don't think he's fought somebody like who strikes like Edson Barboza with the, the power and, and the finesse on his shots, not to mention his leg kicks. Very, very heavy. He's been known to have solid takedown defense as well. Most of his takedowns come when guys are able to push him up against the cage and just chain wrestle, chain wrestle, chain wrestle. And Bryce could do that. But I just wonder how much he's going to be deterred from eating that type of leather from Edson Barboza while trying to close the distance. Because Andre Feely, great fighter, but doesn't have the zest that Edson Barboza has on his shots. So I think that's kind of a, uh, something that he hasn't faced before. So I might be taking an underdog shot on Edson Barboza. And then secondly, it's actually a prelim fight here between Yan Xiaonan and Marina Rodriguez. Rodriguez is currently sitting as a minus 300 favorite. And then the return on uh, Yan is currently sitting at plus 240. I think there's some value on the Chinese fighter here on Yan Xiaonan at plus 240. I know she got finished last time by Carla Esparza, but that was with the grapple-heavy approach. We knew there was a red flag in Yan's game with her grappling, and I think people are over-exaggerating that a little bit too much, especially considering that uh, 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 Marina Rodriguez is mainly a striker. So I think if this turns out to be a 50-minute striking match, it's going to play out way closer than those odds indicate. And I think that Yan probably has a decent spot to go out there and, and get the dub here by decision. So, uh, yeah, I like Yan as a big big dog here. Man, guys, I thought Wellington Terman was going to be the coolest name that I said during the show tonight. And then I saw <laughs> we're bringing on Manpreet Joss. Great stuff, great insight. Follow him on Twitter, Manpreet Joss, joining us here. At M-M-A-L-O-T-N stands for Lock of the Night. That's the name of his podcast. Big Colby guy. Maybe a bigger Colby guy than me. I agree with him, though. Those guys fought 10 times. Colby wins three, maybe four. We'll talk about it on the other side. And we're going to talk heir to the throne. We know who's the champ, but who's next? What are the odds? We tell you next. You're locked into the BetQL Network.